Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I don't know if everybody who listens to this program is listening in the afternoon, so that may throw a few people off, but it's afternoon Eastern time where I'm doing this program live today from my office in the school psychology program at Tufts University, where I am going to be doing a uh, lecture this afternoon on bullying and the applications of collaborative problem solving to that hot topic. Now, I wrote a segment of the real world on bullying previously, um, but I thought that that might be an interesting topic for our uh, educators panel today. That's right. Today is educators panel day. And I know we are going to be without Kristen today, but we are with um, Tom Ambrose, the principal uh, of an elementary school in uh, Freeport, Maine, and Alicia Krasich, who is a teacher in the Niagara Wheatfield Schools in New York. I don't know if we are going to be with or without Basel today. Um, and um, pretty soon we may have a new we may have a new addition to our educators panel. Uh, only in time for our last program of the year in May, um, we may be joined by an assistant principal of a senior high school. We don't have great senior high school representation on this program, so I've been trying to do something about that um, from a senior high school in uh, Washington State, but uh, not today, I don't think. Um, welcome to the program. If well, even though it's educators panel day. Just a few things. You can still call in if you have a question or comment. That number is 646-727-2691. 646-727-2691. For those of you who are eagerly looking for the next um, edition of any town high school, uh, that'll be next week. And in most subsequent weeks thereafter, except for school vacation weeks. That's what messed us up last week. And then, um, well, we had talked about having the Anytown folks on today, but um, today, of course, is Educators Panel Day, so that wasn't possible. So I want to welcome onto the air um, Mr. Ambrose, who's now with us uh, from Maine, and uh, Mrs. Kresich, who is now with us from New York. How are you both today? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am well. Mr. Ambrose, how are I'm, you? I'm good, Ross. How are you? I am well. Um, shall we run with my topic of the day? Sure. Better yet. Better yet. I'm going to put Mr. Ambrose on the spot here because he is participating in a project in his school funded by the Maine Juvenile Justice Advisory Group. 
um, in which collaborative problem solving is being implemented uh, with some level of intensity. And I know, Mr. Ambrose, knowing you, that you're always learning new things along the way. Do you want to give us an update on um, the learning curve and how things are going with collaborative problem solving in your building? Well, it's going it's going really well. Um, the learning curve is is always an element, but I think that the the um, uh, the process it's amazing when somebody gets stuck and then they work through it by collaborating themselves with another adult to solve their problem. It's kind of a funny way to put it. Um, teachers will try to implement collaborative problem solving. They'll get stuck. They'll get some help from their peers and colleagues. And then um, when they get movement, the energy, the excitement about it is pretty wild. So we had a couple of folks who got really stuck and had I had one person who had a really good experience with the, a whole class group plan B. And I had another person who had a student who got um, was having a really hard time, and she had a major breakthrough um, just just by staying with the empathy step and, and by uh, recognizing that sometimes it takes a while to get through that step and slowing down <clears throat> made a big difference for her. What was getting in her way? What was uh, besides – well, slowing down is huge. I, of course, listen to audio tape of people doing Plan B fairly constantly, and certainly rushing is one of the major issues – um, was rushing her thing, or what was what was getting in her way? Uh, I think that some of it was skill. Uh, we were we were having some good conversations, and it was really hard to th- that skill of staying in the empathy step is is a really important piece to this process. And uh, having had a master's in school counseling and a background in understanding how to be person centered uh, in terms of therapeutic approaches. That's really helped me. But what I've learned is that there are some really easy ways to coach people to stay in the empathy step. So the teacher would talk with the student, and, and, and she would talk about, you know, I, I, I noticed that uh, when we're in class, you're making lots of noises, and those really annoy the people around you. And so the kid would sit, the, the teacher didn't realize that she needed to um, stay with, I noticed that you're making these noises, what's up with that? Got it. And so, and she so was I had to coach her, her to get herself out of it. Mm-hmm. She was putting her she concern bled on the her table concern. Yes. Well, she sounds like she did sort of a hybrid of the empathy step and the define the problem step. Exactly. And of of course, if we put our concern on the table too quickly, then the kid's not going to talk to us. And that's, I take it, the kid either reacted badly or didn't talk. Yeah. Well, he got you know I get the usual I don't know shoulder shrug. Right. Because right. but the what we worked through was that the shoulder shrug and the I don't know comes from. Um, not feeling heard and validated, which is pretty common for all human beings. Indeed. Unfortunately, sometimes we put kids in a different category than all human beings, and that, of course, is the rub. Speaking of which, uh, so how about your own learning curve? Uh, I know that you, you and I have spoken fairly recently, and you had said something about how clear it is becoming to you that leadership is absolutely indispensable to making this work in a building. Anything yeah. you want to say about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it it is um, it is on a variety of fronts. I mean, it takes a lot of it, it really does take a lot of courage to be a school leader because so many things, so many variables that you can't control. And and I think that the key with this is that you have to choose the ones that you can control. For example, making it a priority to schedule time for the staff to meet making it a priority to um, 
to have time to talk about not only the steps that are included in collaborative problem solving and doing the professional development around learning the skills associated with successfully implementing the model, but there's also a, a whole organizational component within the building, communication amongst teachers about who's doing plan B with this child and what they're choosing to work on, um, communication about behaviors and 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 um, and where this child is at that day, just kind of like, you know, I, I realize that even in, in a small elementary school, uh, a student could see seven or eight adults in a, in a six-hour period. Mm-hmm. And so building an arc for that kind of communication or or making collaborative problem solving a priority when we're talking about our RTI process, that, that that's an expected part of our, our, our steps to provide um, support for students prior to referral for more intense services or, or a more uh, restrictive environment. So we, we, I think that the key from the principal's position is that um, having a, a step-by-step plan to implement collaborative problem solving is really critical to its success because its success is based on the individual people's skill and the ability for them to get support when they're struggling. So it's because yeah. I mean I have skills with it, but I still get some help sometimes. You know, I, I, I the help that I need is at a different spot than it was a year ago. But I I told the, the teachers I said it's kind of like uh, when you're when you're a fourth grader and you're starting to play the saxophone in band. You see the eighth grade kids playing and you think they're rock stars. But then when you get to eighth grade, you think the twelfth graders are rock stars. And when you're in college, you look to professionals. <laughs> we we want to do the same thing with CPS. We have people who are just naturally running with it. We want them to mentor the other people and be, be a support to each other. Indeed. Outstanding. Well, I know that things are going very well in your building. Let, let's, let's try to see, um, as I mentioned, I'm doing this uh, talk in about... Um, 45 minutes on bullying and the applications of collaborative problem solving to that particular issue. And, um, you know, I guess from my perspective, there is such clear relevance. But um, how about for you both? Um, Is this, is bullying an unsolved problem that collaborative problem solving can help with? Absolutely. Let's hear it, Alicia. Um. Bullying is definitely that hot topic, down even down at um, the kindergarten, first grade levels where I work. Um, you know, we're dealing with bullying, identifying that it's bullying, why do kids bully, trying to find that out, and we're coming to see that um, kids have been bullied themselves who are now doing the bullying, and part of trying to understand using the empathy step and defining the problem step with the children, finding out what's happening to them when they're getting bullied and how they're repeating the process and how we can stop that from happening. And um, we use it in whole, I use it in whole group class sessions and we'll sit right down and do it as a whole group. Here's our problem. Here's what we're noticing. How are we going to work together? What are our feelings on this to solve this problem so it doesn't start to escalate and become bigger than what it needs to be. And you do this with your whole class? Yes, I do. We sit down so my just question... as... Go ahead. We sit down just as I would with um, any kind of learning that we do in reading and writing where we're having a discussion about something, and I facilitate and 
I allow the kids, and they know it because I've particularly been with my students for, um, I've looped with them. They have an idea of the language now, so they sort of can carry on that conversation on their own. But, you know, when we get stuck, I just kind of prompt them along, and we do it in a whole group manner for everything that we want to, that's a problem for us. Now, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is is the way is the way you just described that you handle bullying consistent with or contrary to policies that might be in place in your school system that are providing you with guidance for how you should be dealing with this issue? Um, I would say it's not consistent. It's definitely <laughs> what. I, I promise I didn't talk to Alicia before the program. That was not a set up question. But what's what's it sounded like it, didn't it? It's like it was perfection. I couldn't have set it up better. What 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 if I had set it up, which of course I didn't, but um what 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 where's the disparity? What are you being told to think about bullying and what are you being told to do well, about it? I don't want to what? get you in trouble here, but <laughs> Um, so don't don't talk if I'm about to get you in trouble. Um, well, let's see. I think we're looking for a program that's going to a program, not an approach. That's looking at helping all kids, you know, look and act a certain a certain way, and it's all this tied together stuff. But it's not really about addressing the problem. Why are kids bullying? There's a real, there's a real issue there. There's a reason, and if we can find that out, like we do when we're working with kids one on one, then we can start to address that bullying right down where it happens in kindergarten and first grade, and and sort of curve it before it's going on up through the grades. So we're looking for something that, in my opinion, is more about a nice character ed program, which. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, but it's still not addressing the issues of bullying for those children who are constantly involved with it, with A, either being bullied or B, being the bully. So they're not offering us anything that looks at to, like, collaborative problem solving does. How do we get down to what's going on with this child and, and help them to solve the problem? So can I put you on the spot like I always do? <laughs> Why do kids bully? They don't know what else to do. Some of them have been bullied. They haven't been taught how to identify um, what's really bothering them and discussing it, working through it, talking through it. We don't make time in our school days the way we should make time to teach kids how to communicate and express themselves. Um, that's just sort of what I've learned and having seen working with other kids. We're trying to find a way to be heard, and bullying sure does get a lot of adult attention. So it's another way for us to, you know, engage with them. And that's just what I've, I've come to see. Tom, you want to take a... Stab at the same questions. Um, I mean, I've got my own answer to why kids do this 
generic thing that we now call bullying um, that, that ha- has now consumed almost every well, I don't want to go overboard. Too many instances in which people are having trouble getting along. But Tom, you want to take a stab at it? Yeah, they, they just—it just falls on that, the spectrum of looking bad. You know, it's in, in the moderate or could be severe, depending on the bullying and the context and the frequency and the, and the nature of the bullying. But I think that ultimately they have lagging skills and unsolved problems with regard to social um, solving social problems. And and I do think that um, there isn't there. I've learned over the years that there there are two types of of bullies really. One is is um someone there there I can't deny that there are are not people or, or I can't deny that I've seen kids who are are organically or naturally malicious. And I think that kids do do well if they can and they come to school and they they want to they want they don't have the skills. They don't know what to do. I also think that there are some kids who have been bullied and and the feeling of the power of bullying someone else um solves the problem for them of that feeling of powerlessness. And 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 so when they bully someone else they feel the power that they didn't have when they were bullied themselves and to me those are t- very they're very different um um they're very different lenses through which the action occurs. How do you tell the difference? Well, I think I again I think it goes back to this piece about the empathy step. You have to spend a lot of time with the kid. And you have to listen a lot. And you have to know what you're listening for with people. I mean, bullying occurs between adults. And 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 it, it can I've seen people in staffs get bullied and be bullied. And I think that there's there are three things that occur to make bullying stop. Number one is um you empower the bystanders. The bystanders feel heard and they you respond when they when they speak up and 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 it's really critical that the adults make sure that that when they the bystander speaks up that they're heard supported and then if they're bullied themselves that that's immediately followed up on and the second thing that you have to do is you have to you know empower the victim and you have to teach the person who's doing the bullying the skills that they need to interact so- socially in a successful way uh, but i think listening is really important because the only way that you can find out their perspective is to spend time with them. And that's really hard to do objectively as the principal. And, you know, there's so many things that people don't realize when the principal's dealing with bullying because not only do you have the parent of the kid who's the bully, but you also have the parent of the victim who's upset, and you also may have a whole classroom full of parents who are upset about it. And and, and so then you have all the political pressure of the parents in addition to the fact that the kid, the kids, multiple kids, need help with this situation. It's interesting. I know that there is a perception of some kids who bully as being um, made to be powerful. But I must say I have trouble distinguishing along those lines. I I find that um, if we, while there is certainly an element of power in bullying and not just bullying between kids, I've tended not to think of bullying as principally about power, but predictably about lagging skills. Yeah, I would agree. And unsolved problems. And then the only other piece is I find that um, it's not only the bullies who are lacking 
crucial cognitive skills sometimes. And you're right, often in the social domain. But I find it's often the bullied who are lacking crucial social skills as well. And that's not me demonizing anybody. No. This isn't not about demonizing. It's taking a look at um, social interactions between two people and getting a better handle on what's going on between them that has caused one or the other to treat the other in a way that is over-the-top unkind. But I guess my attitude is over-the-top unkind. If that's not lagging skills, I don't know what is. And dealing with over-the-top unkind requires skills as well skills that I find often those who are on the receiving end of bullying lack as well. So if it's the bullied who need to be listened to and heard, and the bullies who need to be listened to and heard, geez, I don't know what to call that except plan B. I would agree. I would totally agree. Absolutely. Alicia, what were you going to say? I, no, I, I absolutely We've had a lot of discussion about bullying as it's become um, such a hot topic and everywhere. And people often want to, you know, just punish the bully. And there's a there's a host of us that are saying, but why are they bullying? And what's happening to the child who's being bullied? Why are they allowing themselves to be bullied? They're obviously lagging skills, and we need to be cognizant of that and more proactive and teaching them these lagging skills that they have so we can start to, um, you know, put an end to this. Well, and, and I think that, Ross, your your point, it is a very politically challenging thing to talk about the student who's been bullied and the skills that they need. But I think it, it is, is indeed. It is, but it's important to recognize that, that – um, Children who have been bullied, whenever I, the way I look at it is that whenever I'm supporting someone, I'm, I'm looking at it through the lens at this point, and, and I mean this sincerely, that I look at every situation through plan B at this point. So if it, I have not yet seen a context where it just didn't work. Now, that doesn't mean that we had to do – doesn't mean that there aren't times where an emergency plan A has to happen and then plan B follows. And I don't always love that, but until my skills grow, I, I do the best I can, you know? Or sometimes I use Plan C and then use Plan B later. But but typically the best way to get to the heart of it is to give the kid a chance to sit down and, 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 and follow follow the process. Have What have your experiences been in doing this between two kids? The lingering concern for many people is that if you don't come down hard of it, hard on bullying, and plan B fails, in other words, the bully keeps bullying, the bullied has um, been made even more vulnerable perhaps by laying their concerns on the table, thereby giving the bully added ammo. What have your experiences been um, in terms of what if Plan B doesn't get the job done? Um, have we put the bullied at a disadvantage by having engaged them in Plan B in the first place? No, but I would not put the two kids in the room together. 
I would do CPS separately. Initially, at least. Right. And I, I would I – would, um, it's funny that you brought this up on this radio show because we had an extensive conversation about it last week with my staff. Really? And yes. We had a long conversation about the relationship between CPS and um, schools where everyone belongs mm-hmm. and, and the idea of having a school-wide rubric – and it was interesting because the culture in the school that I'm working at is so fantastic that the teachers were like, we don't I didn't I just asked them, I said, So what do you think about this? I kinda wanted to pose the question and talk about it. And they um they three things came out of the conversation. One is that setting clear expectations is not plan A. Expectations No, expectations are, are expectations. A, B, and C are responses to unmet expectations. Exactly, the cross, right? When the student can't doesn't have the skills to um to meet the expectations. So so the ex- so that came up very clearly. The second thing that came up in this conversation was that my teachers did not want to do a rubric. They want to just do CPS, which was fantastic. I was so happy. That's that's incredible. And then and then the second the third piece that came up in it was um that I realized after the conversation that a piece wasn't shared that I plan to share in the future is that it's not it, it's the consistency with which adults address bullying that is the key. I'm convinced that that's what makes the difference, not the heavy-handedness with which it's handled. So in other words, there's the, the adults in the building need to A, have the skills to be able to address the concern, B, understand the importance of their consistency in, in addressing it in the moment when it's happening, and they need to always follow up with it. It can't ever be left un, unfinished or untied. Well, now that's that's huge, and you know that makes bullying just like any other unsolved problem that we might try to solve with a one-shot intervention. Exactly, which we so often do, and that's where strong disciplinary measures often have a great deal of appeal, because. Um, well, they feel like one-shot deals, and we're hoping that this will be a one-shot deal. It feels much more efficient if it's a one-shot deal, but then we find out that bullying is just like any other unsolved problem, and that is that if there's no follow-up, then the likelihood that the problem is actually durably solved slim and none. Right. Wow. Wow. Bullying as just another unsolved problem and just another behavior on the spectrum of looking bad. Alicia, have you had any experiences with bullies, with the bullied um, having been put at a disadvantage for having participated in Plan B with the person who was being the bully? Um, well, I just talked to I'm, as I'm sitting here and, and listening to the discussion, I'm, I'm thinking about, I guess, all of the issues that my little ones come up with in some point at their level is about bullying and, you know, someone did this to me and someone did this, I did this back to them and we have to sit through and figure out what's going on and, and hear them. I had a little boy who was um, bullying another little boy because he wanted him to be his his reading partner all to himself, and he didn't want to share him with anyone else. So it was becoming pretty bad, and he was taunting them and teasing them, and 
all sorts of things. And when we sat down and I talked about some stuff, I talked with the with the, the bully separately from the other child, and I found out that the bully was really just afraid of being left alone and that he wasn't going to have room and because he, the other little boy who he wanted to work with wouldn't know how to make room for him if he was working with someone else. So, you know, it required me to listen to what was going on with this bully rather than, than just punishing him and finding out that he didn't know how to accept the fact that you can have more than one friend, that you can do something. This is how you take turns with someone. This is how you hear and share ideas when you're working in a group with more than just another person. And then I spoke with the child who was being bullied, and I explained what was going on, and then we sort of talked together, and they were able to each other's sides and understand what's going on, obviously, with me facilitating it. And now we've been working within the last week, and, and the three of them have been working together. So I'd like to think it's, it's you know, a, a good solution, but, you know, we just keep waiting and see. So far, so good. So I would say, you know, he heard what they, the bully put his concerns on the table. It didn't make him go after the other child anymore or vice versa. And, I mean, it's important for me to stay on top of it and watch for those things. And and another thing that I try to do with the teacher in my room is when we notice what's going well with the kids, you know, complimenting them, stopping and saying to them, you are having a hard time with this. Is this working for you? How is it going? I'm noticing this. So it's really engaging them in that in that conversation if that answers the question. It does. You know... I find that whenever I'm in the position of trying to gather information about the concerns of the so-called bully in the empathy step of Plan B, I'm always struck by how, when I hear about those concerns, number one, and you know, it's not hard to believe that these words are coming out of my mouth, but some people might choke on them, that bullies are telling us things that are deserving of our empathy. Wow. That, what's that? I said, yes, I agree. <laughs> right. That, mm. that, the, that what's setting in motion the bully behaving in the way that the bully is are things that wouldn't be fixed by demonizing them no. and certainly wouldn't be fixed by punishment. And I'm always sort of sometimes working backwards when i hear about a intervention i um work backwards to think about what you know i'd always rather work forwards let me find out what's getting in the kids way let me find out what the kids concern or perspective is and then moving forward from that interventions often sort of appear before your very eyes because now you understand what it is that you're trying to address yeah but, doesn't doesn't always work that way. Sometimes in, sometimes I'm in the position of having to work backwards from an intervention that has already been applied. And so here's the fascinating part. Although it's far preferable to work forwards, let's figure out what's getting in the kids' way first, then think about interventions. 
Um, it's also sometimes instructive to think backwards once an intervention has been applied, and then you find out what the kid's concerns actually are. It becomes readily apparent that the intervention that was applied without knowing what the kid's concerns were couldn't conceivably have addressed them. That's exactly what I was saying, is that it, there has to be a, a, relate, a correlation between what we're going to do about this and the reason why it happened or you're wasting time. That's right. And so what I'm often thinking about, given the many different things that bullies, boy, I, just, I hate using the term even, but you know this is what the program's about today, so we'll use it. Given the many factors that would set in motion bullying, are any of them well addressed by punishment or by demonizing the bully? No, and I think in teaching is the key. thought for all of us, but go ahead, sorry. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. I think, I think that goes back to the whole thing about responsive guidance programming at public schools. When it's done really well with fidelity, the students learn the skills and expectations to socialize effectively. And so a lot of times, schools spend more time and money backpedaling the fact that we haven't done proactive programming that supports the student learning that would that would in, enable kids to interact successfully. I mean, if we think about the, the, the three things that we expect children to be able to do when they leave public schools, we expect them to to be able to read and write effectively because so much communication is going to occur in the digital realm, realm for them. The second thing that we do is we expect them to be able to do mathematics, including using technology, which are very similar. And they could be looked at as two separate things, but technology, math, science, the ability to, 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 to function in those areas. But the third thing that is one of the most important in the future is the ability to work with others collaboratively. And that's why I think it's... And solve problems. To solve problems as a team and as an individual when we're not able to connect with our team. And, or individually at times, yes. I mean, I just think that, that, that it, it, this ability to, to, to have social skills is not only going to be, well, for example, kid gets out of high school, goes to work in the mill up in northern Maine and makes thirty-five dollars or $40,000 a year 25 years ago and does that for 25 or 30 years and retires with a nice pension. You probably learned a skill in the mill and just did it over and over again really, really well. Well, we have the best trained workforce for the industrial age the world has ever seen, and the industrial age has been over for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So what is the very thing that changes our perspective about the industrial age, creativity and the ability to learn, read, write, and, and problem solve, to work collaboratively with others, because those are the skills that the, 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 the modern workforce are going to require. So I just think that's why this process is so important to me personally, that, that it isn't just about CPS, it's about the actual ability of these kids to be successful in the world that they're going to face in 15 years. We uh, have an emailer who has emailed us uh, with a comment during the program. Uh, You guys may or may not agree with this. (laughs) Unfortunately, today's public schools care more about test scores rather than emphasizing on a day-to-day basis the importance of teaching children the skills to be kind to each other, stand up for what's the right thing to do, and teaching a sense of responsibility uh, for the well-being of others, just like CPS is an ongoing process so is a constant dialogue between teachers and teachers and teachers to their students. Um, I bet is that you both would agree strongly with the first statement. Ha, ha, is 
the fact that we are, and I don't want to make correlation equals causation, yes, we seem to be obsessed with test scores these days. Um, are we, because we are so obsessed with test scores, test scores paying less attention to and devoting less effort to helping kids get along better with each other? Uh, I, I, oh, go, I was going to let go ahead. Go ahead, please. Um, Tom I was mean, being a I, gentleman. I think I'm. We should you know, we should let this happen. On well, never mind. Never, I was going to make a joke, <laughs> but I won't. Let, let's let let's let Tom be a gentleman. Go ahead, Alicia. I am. You know, I don't know. For me, I'm not. A, I hate to say I'm not about the test scores because I recognize their significance and their importance, but. Everything that Tom had said earlier is really what I want for kids, which is one of the reasons why I made the conscious decision to go down into primary because I believe that these things need to be taught here and on up, and they can be and kids can be successful with them, and they can problem solve at such a young age if we just teach them to. Um, I don't know if it's that we're not spending enough time or maybe we're just not spending enough for the right of the time with the right thing like CPS. I think we've got a lot of things going on, um, but I don't necessarily think that any of them are really capable of doing what our kids need to be productive in society and with themselves and with others like CPS is. So I'm, I don't have, I'm, I'm responsible for state assessments, but I'm not the fourth grade teacher any longer who third, fourth, and fifth who has that handed down to them. So it's not anything that I would say I think we spend more time worrying about our tests, but I'm also in the primary grade, so But I, I, I agree and I but I, I think that if we teach the students, if we know the students as individuals we do it with reading assessment. We know their fluency, their comprehension, their their the number of words that they have memorized in terms of uh, sight words or whatever you'd like to call them. Um, we know their, their skills. And if we know these things and we respond to them proactively, it's, it should be the same for their social skills. And if we take care of the kids, the test scores will take care of themselves. And so I, I've explained to my staff very explicitly that that uh, when I first got hired here, there was the, a little bit of a misperception that I was about academics were very important to me. And I explained to them that actually I don't view one or the other as being more important. I view them as being equal. And if we as a staff choose to make both of them equal, um, we, will, we will base our professional development and our time together as a team on the two different areas, and that will support the students in, in learning all the skills that they need to be successful. Now, let me ask this, just on that topic, <clears throat> and that's, this is a slight digression from what we're talking about. Uh, you've been in different types of schools, Tom. Um, do, do you um, think that the bar should be at the same level? This is a politically charged question. You're in one school now and have been in a previous one, and we don't have to talk about the differences between them. Sure. But um, I, I think that my sense is that in your current building you have kids who are a higher percentage of them who are 
better positioned when they're walking in the door to learn during a given day. And I don't want to sort of be too stereotypical here either. But um, do, do you have is, – is the focus and your emphasis going to be different when you're the principal of one type of building versus another? And I'm not talking about elementary versus middle. I'm talking about buildings where there's a substantial percentage of kids who are coming in and may not be as well positioned to learn that day as in another building. No. How's say that? more. That was pretty concise, huh? you got to say more. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I just think that um, I believe the kids do well if they can, and I believe that in a building that has very high high numbers of free and reduced lunch or very um, socioeconomically challenged families, that the programming in the building needs to respond to what comes through the door. So the programming in one building may be different than the other, but my expectations for the children are always the same, which is that kids can and will learn, and they can and will learn how to survive in, in, in society or to be a part of the school. And kids can and will learn how to read, write, do math, and, and they'll learn how to have fun together as a team. It just may be that the programming in a building that, that has different challenges may have to be, you know, the whole, it's almost, I don't know, I'm kind of making stuff up, but it's almost like whole building CPS. You know, like what, what is the building need to respond to what's coming through the door? And then we would allocate our resources based on what we see coming through the door, and it may change over time. What a concept. Because at the moment, the bar is the same as it relates to annual yearly progress, irrespective of what's walking in your door. So I get it that you would have the same goals every school year, but the speed with which you achieve them mm-hmm. and the manner in which you get there um, I know, and I know we've digressed here off bullying, but we've only got two minutes left in the program anyway, so why not? Um, uh, buildings are completely different. Mm. And, and the and the thing is, is that that there is there is no question that the commitment of the staff to helping the kids is critical, and and building a culture for that is a major priority and collaborative problem solving in my mind is a big piece of building that culture within the school amongst the adults. Irrespective of percentage of free and reduced lunch, eh? Yeah, it doesn't matter because kids are kids and they all come with concerns. I, I've seen kids who have would never ever in, ever in their lives qualify for free and reduced lunch really struggle at, at being socially um, able to, to interact socially because their parents were working all the time and never spent time with them. So I, I just see it as kids are kids, and I see them as they come through the door, and I take them for where they're at, and I try to move them to where they need to go in their lives. Alicia, my bet is that you would uh, echo that, but we'll give you the last word today. I if you want the last out. word. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. I taught in school with a very high percentage rate before I came to where I am now. And everything Tom said is, is absolutely true. We definitely, They definitely can um, problem solve. They just need to be taught. So how we approach that, you know, maybe differently given where we're at, but the expectation is always the same. They can and they will, and I will help you get there. And I won't give up on you. Yeah. Well, I 
I think I know what I'm going to now say during my talk this afternoon on bullying. Um, thank, thank you both for helping out, and thanks, as always, for being part of the educators panel. We've got one more left for the school year, the one in May. I hope that uh, those of who are listening have found today's program to be useful and um, look forward to getting with you next week for another edition of our Anytown High School feature. Look forward to being with our folks from Anytown High School then. Once again, thanks to Tom and Alicia, and uh, we'll get together again next week. Take care.